0: Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly global football show. I'm your host as always Phil Brad, join with me, my regular co-host of fantastic Zach Louis, a week out from the start of the World Cup. Uh we promised you in previous shows we'd start looking ahead to the World Cup once we got to round about this vicinity, which we are. So we'll go ahead and take a look at that. We'll also parse the Cristiano Ronaldo comments with my friends here, who is uniquely placed. Of course, he's an expert in Portuguese football. And I want to get his take on this. Uh I did comment on this on my United podcast earlier. So I won't be repetitive, we'll have some fresh commentary on it from different perspectives. Uh, and I uh, want to thank each and every one of you for downloading the podcast and for those of you who have gotten in touch with this over the last couple of weeks, some of you have been doing so, we really do appreciate that, it's nice to know who's listening. The download numbers have been increasing every week which is great. If there's anything in particular you'd like to see us do in this show, please let me know um, and we'll start adding it in. Uh, but thank you all the same for all your downloads, likes, retweets, everything else. Much appreciated. Uh, Zach, after that long-winded intro, how are you, my friend? How was your weekend?
1: I'm doing well. It was a good weekend. Um, you know, watched a lot of sports and uh, been been very busy. Um, I've got a few interviews coming up as well with Nuno Gomes and Emmanuel Boateng. Uh, just released uh, some massive uh, plans on ETLBID, my website, Uh, with regards to the release of our lifetime subscription package they're very excited about that but uh yeah been been a ridiculously busy few days um Mm -hmm. currently just watching uh santa clara Praia, the final primera liga match until uh until after the world cup so just trying to wind down
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you don't know if you're gonna get the wind down my friend you better start winding up because a lot is happening um Before, the, 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 what I planned to do on this podcast was primarily talk about the World Cup. Um, mm-hmm. Then, of course, we had this bombshell interview mm-hmm. yesterday with Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't want to be tautological here, so I want to have some fresh commentary. Uh, I find it contemptible that he released it with Pierce Morgan, who is someone that... Uh, similar to Ronaldo, walks out when things don't go his way Um, has quite an abhorrent past as a journalist, Uh, done some pretty despicable things as a journalist and never paid any real public price for that socially or otherwise Um, he is obsequious a sycophant with Ronaldo, he is someone that uh, has been playing this role for a long long time, Uh, clearly a quid pro quo and Ronaldo Reminds me of Donald Trump In that he is completely emotionally immature Incapable of accepting criticism Demands loyalty on a level that's ridiculous from those around him Is completely incapable of any type of self-deprecating analysis Any type of internal analysis Incapable of looking at himself in the mirror And seeing anything other than perfection Uh, Someone that probably makes love to himself every morning Someone that um, really because he's so far, and forgive me for using this colloquial term, but so far up his own arse, he's incapable of reading a room and realising that he's been so badly advised in all this sack from Mendez, whether it's even capable to advise ronaldo that's another thing, because it's not capable to advise Donald Trump, and people with this narcissist personality, this narcissistic personality that you usually can't talk to them. They usually don't listen to you. I would find it hard to believe that George Mendes thought this was a good idea. Just like what he did over the summer was a good idea. I mean, it, it, just to finish off this monologue, Zach, but if, as a Manchester United fan, I'm intimately in tune with United fans, how they're feeling, sentiment, everything. United fans, for the first time in a long time, love their manager. They love the job Eric Ten Hag's doing, and they won. Yesterday, with a last-minute winner, with a young kid, coming off the bench. They could not be happier. Um, Obviously, it's not perfect. But it's a complete contrast from anything we've seen. And Ronaldo to pick a fight with the guy that's fixing the problems that United fans love, when Ronaldo's been dreadful for the last few months, was so stupid to do it right after they've won. So stupid. If Ronaldo does this interview three months into his career, or even last January, this would have landed totally different because people would have believed him. But the fact that it's coincided with his own demise and the fact he's not playing makes it questionable. And quite frankly, he's like Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't do anything that doesn't serve him first.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you, you said it all right there. And um, <clears throat> look, I think that it's, it's interesting that you look at the weekend entering the World Cup. And you've got so many Portuguese players having a phenomenal uh, day for themselves. Otavio uh, getting two assists, I believe, in Flavista. Bruno Mendes getting two assists at the weekend for Paris Saint-Germain. Andre Silva. You know, all these players Mm -hmm. stepping up. And then you've got Cristiano Ronaldo not playing for the second time in a row and releasing this incendiary interview. So, look, I have not commented on Cristiano's situation the past few months because frankly I'm I, I haven't I haven't tweeted about it shall I say um, yeah. in September just because I'm, I'm so sick of dealing with his fanboys. boys um, yeah. there are millions of people out there who frankly I mean Ronaldo could shoot up their entire family yeah and he, they would still worship the ground he walks on even though he has no idea who these people are and doesn't care about
0: them. It's akin um, to that Trump court I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and they'd still yeah. vote. It's exactly the same thing. Exactly.
1: And I think that's been part
0: of the problem
1: because Ronaldo not only is he so not only does he have so many people who are willing to excuse everything and never call him out and just continue to blindly worship the ground he walks on, that applies with the the people he surrounds himself with too. Whether that's his deluded sister mm-hmm. living in Brazil and, you know, saying, oh, the truth must come out. What yeah. truth? What truth are you talking
0: about? I know.
1: You know, I think that the fact is, Cristiano, for me, he's, he's an ex-footballer. I watched him on the pitch and, you know, I think it's impossible for him to do any worse than he's doing right now. Because the fact is, he's been probably the worst player on Manchester United this season. Uh, he's played... Uh, Contrary to what he says, he's actually played a decent amount of football for someone who, frankly, is not offering anything either on the ball or off the ball. Okay, so that's that's problem number one. Fact is, okay, this is we are in November 2022. I'm sorry. Cristiano Ronaldo is not a top level footballer anymore. He's certainly not a Champions League footballer. He's not, in my opinion, a Premier League footballer. If he and I think it's clear that he's going to leave in January. If he does leave, is there going to be a single top European team that wants him? I think we found mm-hmm. out the cancer into the summer, and that's that's a blatant no because not only is he not that good of a player anymore, the fact is he's a terrible teammate. He's a cancer to locker rooms, and we've seen that with Manchester United, plenty of other clubs. Okay, this is not the first time that Ronaldo drops a damaging interview where he really only thinks about his own self-interest. But we've also seen that with Portugal, and the fact is that nobody is willing to. You know, the fact that nobody's willing to to confront him about this or say, hey, you know what, I'm not sure if this is a good idea, that has been part of the problem. And that's something that, I I mean, I'm not trying to excuse Ronaldo in any way, but I think that you look at so many other, like, rock stars, movie stars, athletes who end up having this really sad decline. um, A lot of times it's when people, you don't have people who's, we're willing to, to, to take you back to reality, to give you a dose of reality mm-hmm. and say, you know what, this sounds like a bad idea. Um, so, look, I think that I think Ronaldo, he would have definitely liked to have released it um, if uh, on a day where Manchester United drew or lost to Fulham. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they won without him, the fact that they've been playing much better without him probably hasn't hurt. hasn't helped. Uh, But, you know, I think that in some ways what what we're seeing from Ronaldo, it's it's the fact it's it's a man who is uh, frustrated by by father time. The fact is he's not scoring goals anymore. He's not playing well. He's playing regularly and yet he's not doing anything to deserve a starting spot. Okay, Um, so so there's there's that there's the fact that Ronaldo, he made himself available for transfer this summer. You know, without the club's permission, it didn't have a single taker. Okay, I think that's definitely damaging for his ego. Mm. As well as the fact that, yes, I mean, for for a decade and longer, Ronaldo was capable of superhuman things, and the fact is, Father Time has caught up with him. And maybe it would have been excusable. Maybe he would have still been able to find, you know, maybe big teams would have still been able to find a way to accommodate him if he wasn't just such a massive diva. If he didn't think that. You know he is the Messiah, and and I think that's just very damaging. Um, so, you know I I know that port, that that people who journalists who 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 do not watch a single game of Portuguese football they're they're going to be commenting, oh you know Ronaldo uh, going to have to go back to Sporting. I don't think there's any chance of that, but
0: we will see. <laughs> yeah, we will we'll get into that discussion in a little bit about how this helps or hinders Portugal and what this does to the other Portuguese players. Because this story is going to be drip fed into the media for the next few days, which means it's going to be kept front page news for the next few days And the circus that will surround Ronaldo at the World Cup. The circus that surrounded him before at big tournaments when an imminent move uh has been on the cards you know going back even to you know the the, the 2006 euros i think it was um, and i i've got that right um 2006 world cup 2006 world cup yeah, yeah 2008 Euros, yeah because uh he had that issue with Rooney and uh england portugal game and um the, the whether he could come back to old trafford and you know there was talk whether he would even ever return um so there's lots of issues here um to consider And, Zach, there's no question about this, that the personality traits that are are causing Ronaldo so much problem right now are the reason why he's successful. And inevitably, when you have winners that are so obsessed with winning, this is great when they're in the prime of their career, but inevitably it starts to turn on them. And I think back to other legends that have been in similar situations. I think back to Roy Keane when he left United. And eventually the personality traits (laughs) that drove him to be so successful became the problem. Because his body slowed down, but his mind didn't. And then I think of some of the horrendously selfish things that Sir Alex Ferguson has done Mm -hmm. to Manchester United that no question are, you know... Far, far worse than I think Ronaldo's done. I think about what George Best did. And I, I'm using this in the context of Manchester United, but you can go right through, through football and see this happening everywhere when you have these single minded winners. That's great. And it's almost like everything is a marriage of convenience for them. And it, the fact that your interest in his align are merely a coincidence. Because he's about propelling himself to personal individual goals. That, and, and that's fine. That's great. Obviously, that resulted in other teams being successful. But here you're at a point where, in Ronaldo's mind, Ronaldo will still expect to be compensated as the world's best footballer, which he's not. He will still expect to go to a football club that can win the Champions League and start every week, which is impossible. In fact, were United, if United resembled anything like that, He never would have been there in the first place. This issue would have happened to him a year and a half ago. So I look at him and I see this with professional athletes. And when you are someone of that size, of that stature, um, I don't mean to name drop here, but let me use this example. When I was sitting talking to Mike Tyson and we were talking about his prime and he was saying, I so badly needed someone that I trusted around me to manage me, to advise me correctly. But instead all I had was people around me that were blood sucking, everybody wanted something. So they were pushing me into things and telling me things that were not in my best interest that were in theirs. And he's like, this is what happens when you become such a global superstar. You live in a different world, you have different normals, you have different boundaries you have a different life you live in a different world i mean this this is it's no surprise to me and i hate to use this uh, this analogy that people like mike tyson and cristiano ronaldo have had problems off the field legal issues Mm -hmm. because those boundaries also extend into their personal life and what they think is okay and what isn't and I, i have friends of mine very very close friends they didn't reach global superstar status, but they were world champion boxers in the modern era. So they were, they had a high degree of fan and a a, a fandom. But what I learned from them, and you see this in in boxing too, and you see this with Tom Brady, is it's really hard to retire. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's really, really hard for you to accept your body can't respond anymore. Mm -hmm. And, with a boxer the last thing to go is his punch yeah. a footballer the last thing to go is his finishing so if yeah. the, you drop the ball drops to cristiano ronaldo in the box in space yeah he'll screw you goals but there wasn't a single moment at the weekend where i felt if only united had ronaldo here in fact i was relieved he wasn't there yeah right so i'm looking at this to borrow a phrase is the juice worth the squeeze and a great player that he was, if all he had to do, in my opinion, if he wanted to do this interview and complain about these issues, the time to do it was a year ago, right? When you, but, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't land the same, Zach, when you're doing it a year and a half in, when you aren't playing every week. But back then when he was playing every week and scoring goals, why didn't he do it then, right? Cause when you do it now, it's so easy to discredit. And I can tell you, having spoken to people inside United, they are livid with it. Now, I'm not saying that he's wrong. He's right on a lot of things, no question. But Ronaldo was back there with Juventus. Did he not notice that the facilities weren't upgraded back then, a couple of years ago? Did he not speak to Mourinho? Did he not speak to Dalo? Did he not speak to Bruno Fernandes? Did, did George Mendes not know this? I mean, every United fan knew it. So it, it, it's, it, it's not an excuse. Let me involve the conversation over to yeah. Portugal because now there's a couple of things I'm thinking about how does Ronaldo accept Ronaldo will not be any different for Portugal than he is for United so he's going to want to start this world cup and maybe the dividend to Portugal is they get an extremely motivated Ronaldo out to prove a point but maybe may, maybe with someone like Ronaldo that's not the problem. It's not his motivation. It's not his focus. It's just the fact that he doesn't have the physical capabilities anymore. Yeah. So now this the circus that's going to surround Ronaldo. Did Portugal need this? Did he think about what this would do for his national team and what this would do for his teammates?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, especially considering the fact that Bruno Fernandes and Diogo Delo are obviously his teammates at Manchester United. And I can't imagine that they will feel pleased by this. Um, Yeah, it's a question that I've been trying to scrape my head over the past few hours. And overall, look, I think that it will... I I, I think it will help Ronaldo um, with regards to Portugal. Because, like I said, I just don't think it's possible to play worse than he is right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. he is holding Manchester United back. On some of others just like he's held Portugal back the past few years, and I do think though that potentially he's been saving his body for this tournament, considering the fact that you know he's no longer a guaranteed first. You know, maybe he he feels like he needed to get something off his chest. You know, and and I remember I remember he he um, he promised like. Revelations when when the when there were two weeks left in the window, mm-hmm. and the, right? I guess these revelations are those are coming right yesterday. Um, so I I think perhaps that's that that would be a, a, a weight lifted off his chest. You know, I I wonder if if United do follow through with a contract, uh, rescission You know, perhaps that would help as well. You know, getting a clean sleep, clean sleep. But uh, the fact is, I mean United would have sold Ronaldo if there was a team that was willing to uh, to, to pay money for him. I think that's a team that fit his ambitions and the fact is there just isn't um, and I look I, I think you know you mentioned a good point with regards to with regards to Mike Tyson with regards to right. you know having people who are going to be there to tell you when you're in the wrong right yeah. and I think that um, yeah, that that's that's a great point. I think that with regards to this it's just so poorly advised I can't imagine that Jordan Mendez would have signed off on it you know especially when he has so much business going through Manchester United. it just seems so ill well advised um, so I don't know maybe it was maybe it was Jordan Peterson. I know that he <laughs> Ronaldo or, or Jordan paid a visit to Ronaldo a few weeks ago um but but yeah it's it's something that is really just bizarre, I got to say. And it comes with, with when, when you don't have people who are going to bring you back to reality, because this is just frankly, it's so ill-advised. And uh, I remember seeing a tweet today. It's like, you know, if you're is all those proof that if credible sexual assault allegations don't ruin your career, coming off as the more annoying person in the room with Piers Morgan certainly was.
0: Oh, Jesus. No, um, that, that's a great point.
1: <laughs> so, there you go. It's just like, and I think that it's, it's so hilarious that like ten years ago or so, or fifteen years ago, when, when Ronaldo was doing his I am a slave comments. Yes. Uh, just you know, which I which in my opinion are even more just ridiculous than this. Piers Morgan was one of the first people to be, you know, saying, This is a disgrace. Oh me. I know. Absolutely. and now he's one of the only people who can still put up with this bullshit. Um I know I'm not sure what like how how the other uh united people have responded i know that there are that that's perhaps been one of the reasons why it's come to this point you have so many you know united legends mm-hmm. like roy king like rio ferdinand just completely defending him at all costs when yeah. uh for any other player they would not say it you know wayne rooney i i look at the comments i don't see where exactly he or with regards to Wayne Rooney or gary neville you know i don't see where the 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 need was for Ronaldo to respond in that way you know it's just like if you're if you don't worship the ground I walk on you're, you're you're excommunicated um and it's just bizarre because especially because I you know I remember uh, a quote from Sir Alex where he was saying like the moment that a Manchester United player became too big for the pub he had to leave yeah. I'm not sure who he was referring mm-hmm. to but I mean that's that quote right there and those Ronaldo situation. He was talking about Paul Ince with
0: that comment primarily because Paul Ince had become, yeah. uh, at that time, he used to demand everyone called him the governor, which Ferguson didn't appreciate. There's only one governor here. And um, he was quite arrogant about a lot of things. And there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Now, if you look at the people defending him, He's obviously very, very close to Roy Keane and Roy Keane probably sees a lot of himself in Cristiano Ronaldo. He also left the club on very acrimonious circumstances after doing an interview that he felt was honest yeah. um, and United, similar situation, similar time of year, I think it was in October, November and they paid him up and, and, and moved him on. It wouldn't surprise me, Zach. Cristiano Ronaldo was taking some advice from Roy Keane on this issue because I'm quite confident that Cristiano Ronaldo wants the same outcome. Mm -hmm. Rio Ferdinand is someone I know well personally Um, and he's a vile human being and I say that with a high degree of confidence. This is a guy who repeatedly cheated on his wife when she had cancer. This is an individual who uh, tells more lies in a tinder profile um i'll give you an example he came out a couple of months ago and went after ed woodward uh for saying united refused to speak to him about a contract renewal he had no idea what was going on his last season i mean i know for a hundred and thousand thousand percent fact because i was involved in it that (laughs) he had called me him and jimmy morley uh, and said that he was no way he was staying at United under David Moyes and that he wanted to come to the States. We had conversations with the Galaxy. We had conversations with Chicago FC. I have the receipts. Um, this is a guy who met with Peter Canyon in Chelsea behind United's back when he was suspended after <clears throat> forgetting <clears throat> to take a drugs test. For he forgot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to take a drugs test. Um, and and um, <clears throat> not suspicious at all. Absolutely not. Um, and um, he uh, he forgot to take a drug test. Then Ferguson was extremely angry over his betrayal, because he would know a thing or two about betrayal. Um, and, and so these are people that played with Ronaldo. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Rio Ferdinand is doing what he's doing. It's performance art to make sure he, him and Ronaldo stay mates after seeing the consequences The Navel. Keane will have different motivations, because Kane doesn't think like that. You know, Keen doesn't care, um, but he's also quite—he's never really forgiven United for what happened. On top of which, you know, there's another aspect to this. Ronaldo allegedly loves Sir Alex Ferguson, and my—I question that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I also, Keen hates him, right? Keen so, hates.
1: Sorry, you said Keane hates Sir Alex. Yes,
0: Keen hates Sir Alex Ferguson. Okay. Uh, openly, and uh, I, 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 and is said numerous times, you'll never forgive him. For I don't what see. Exactly. What's that? For what exactly? So for the way he left the football club okay, and right. he turned around and said he was betrayed. A lot of similar comments, right? About, yep. you know, Keane went after Carlos Kieros. He hated Carlos Kieros. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Keane briefing against Ferguson to Ronaldo about what he thinks of Ferguson, um, and and poisoned that relationship because I know that Keane and Ronaldo were very very close. <clears throat> right, but so, I uh, think
1: you I think you make up a, a good point though, um, and I think it's also one of the reasons why you know you look at the class of '92 as well as some other ex United players from that super team under Sir Alex. How many of them have gone on to become successful coaches or successful sporting directors, or even successful pundits, you know? I think that Paul Schultz, Roy Keane, those guys, who takes them seriously, you know? They're enablers. They've enabled this, they've enabled Ronaldo to live in an alternate reality when they should be the ones who are like, you know what, we were part of that team that won all this stuff with you. We are able to tell it to your face, right? We are also legends, just Mm -hmm. like you. So I mean, yeah, I I, I, um I was watching like two minutes of the the Rio Ferdinand chat today, coming on to react, and I just
0: turned it off.
1: So like it was it was just like hearing a shock scrape through his chalkboard. You know, I'm not not saying he's a terrible person, Rio. He is a terrible person. I'll say it. I'm I'm not gonna disagree with you, but. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is that these guys have to take responsibility and accountability for what we're seeing here, because yeah, Ronaldo, he lives in an alternate reality. Okay. Um, and you know, he keeps on saying, okay, this is the truth. a lot of stuff that is similar to not just stuff, not just guys like Roy Keane, but also like, you know, Donald Trump, I think there are definitely some similarities there. And that's a very interesting question. When, when you live in a bubble, when you live in a sheltered reality where nobody can criticize you, R- Gary Neville, I don't even think he criticized him, right? Neither did Rooney. Um, but like the the second that he hears someone open their mouth, it's like, you know, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, how how he can just be this sheltered? But that's why we are seeing him make such poor decisions. And you know, Ronaldo, for, for 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 all you want to save them. I think for in general, he has he has managed his career well. Okay, he has made oh, of course, decisions yeah, for the most part. The past few years, though, I have to say, you you can't say the same. Okay, I think that Manchester United is a great example. Look, the fact is, it was a it was a mistake um, for this draw to ever happen. Okay, it, it, it you know, and I think that what we're seeing here. it it heavily outweighs the 18 league goals, which frankly, a lot of them were meaningless. Um, And they didn't, they definitely exaggerated his contribution to the team Mm -hmm. last season. Um, And yeah, they always say that the sequel is never as good as the original. That's that's clearly what has happened. And the fact is if Manchester United were a well-run organization, they wouldn't have taken Cristiano back. Um, I do think there are definitely some signs of progress but it, they're, they're still being held back. So it's just funny how Ronaldo is, is you know, railing against the club ownership uh, saying, try, trying to get the fans on his side, right? Saying, the Glazers this, the Blazers that. Yeah, he, he's pretty trying to be smart about that. smart the the Blazers and United have made was bringing you back, okay? And, and frankly, I think the only mistake that Eric Ten Hag has made has been giving him the captain's armband.
0: You know, in many ways, I've thought about this. I honestly think Ten Hag saw this coming. And I think in many ways, what he's done, first of all, I think he's handled the entire situation perfectly because one of the things that he has done and made it clear is that Ten Hag isn't the problem. A week ago, you were made captain. How can you come out now and say you were disrespected? You walked off the field when Tevez, Refused to come on for Man City. He didn't play for six months sack. Right was fined an unbelievable amount of money a week later. Ronaldo had the captaincy when you look at the situation the dynamic between Ten Hag and Ronaldo uh, There's only one person that wins the argument versus good versus evil in my opinion also like you said Harry Maguire has a problem with Lissandra Martinez <clears throat> because and, and this is a similar situation with Ronaldo, Harry Maguire doesn't just have to be the equivalent of Lissandro Martinez. He now has to be better than a, what is already a club legend. Like the fans love him. Um, that's a, a popularity Maguire will never be able to compete with. Will never. I don't care if he comes in and he's 10 out of 10 every week. He will never be Lissandro Martinez, the Manchester United fans. Manchester United fans think he is the embodiment of them which, you know, Garnaccio, now a young Argentinian, Casemiro, presented It's a real stout American steel flirty United you know, that, that they fans, they love. Um. So, Cristiano Ronaldo stupidly picked one of the most popular people at the football club, Eric Ten Hag. United you know, fans love Ten Hag and what he's doing. This is where, you know, he has to be a bit smarter. If you want to win the argument, and that's really what this is about winning, and he's using things that he knows are hot button items for the fans but anyone with a brain knows that the motivations behind this are not a benevolence towards Manchester United and the situation behind the scenes at the football club if it was, the time to do this was a year ago, not now this is about what's right for Ronaldo but I'm looking at this, let's look at this from a Portuguese national team perspective because if you're Fernando Sanchez, did I say that right? Did I say sorry, you're you're muted?
1: Sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah. No, did I,
0: I did I say it right? Ronaldo Santos. Yes, that's. Correct. Santos. So, Fernando Santos, right? Zach, one one of the <laughs> um, one of the searing images that is uh, burned into my head is when Portugal won the Euros and Ronaldo was essentially the de facto manager on the sideline when he came off injured, when had scored, I dash scored the one I remember. So, imagine the pressure there is, now on fernando santos to play ronaldo imagine how you feel if you're andre silva or someone like that you're going i now have to ronaldo has to start otherwise how ridiculous is ronaldo going to look if he's basically a french player for portugal which is what he should be and so it puts unbelievable pressure on fernando santos to pick him and it's totally unfair on his teammates who are now going to have to accommodate him, and and to me, I think this is where it could become destabilizing to Portugal yeah. because what he's making clear is it's me and ten others. I don't really care who the ten others are, but if you don't pick me, then I'm going to come out and I'm going to leak a bunch of stuff about you. That also, the, it also like if you're a if you're a manager, right? Mourinho's brilliant at this. Absolute genius at this they see the sack coming, right? So what they'll do the last six months is they start advertising for their next job. So what Mourinho was doing, really, really smart, he knew he was getting sacked at United. He knew that summer it was coming, right? He's gonna wait for his payoff and do it. Also, he strategically leaked certain things that deflected blame, right? Um, I mean, his comments after the Sevilla game when United lost to Sevilla in the Champions League, where quintessential Mourinho advertising for his next job, right? And that's what smart guys do. So Ronaldo's in the period where he's no longer trying to impress Ten and United because his career's done. It's about impressing a potential new employer who's going to risk that type of money. The only people that are going to do that are people in developing markets where you can use his image because he's more important, he has more value off the field than he does on the field. Yes. and that's the simple fact that matter, right? So, and you can you can you can get a career at Manchester United doing that if you just shut your mouth. You know, you may have done that before. You know, uh, when when you're off the field value, trump you know, it trumps you're on the field value. You can still have a career there, but now you've got to 2 he's got two problems. He's got to find a buyer, even on a free. Zach, what problem do you have that Cristiano Ronaldo fixes? Right? And if you're a top team that he wants to go to, they they don't buy names. Their recruitment process is based on a a a, a a a an extremely forensic process of elimination, of analysis, and then like if you look at the Sevilla setup under Manchi and how they go after a player, and, and there was an amazing article written on this, um it is truly unbelievable how forensic they are. So Ronaldo's a type of Person, someone calls you up, offers him, you buy him. On those, Todd Bowley, I think, would have taken him, but no serious football club is going to touch the guy. He needs a really good world Cup. but how does he get that when he's not when there's better players up front than him than Portugal?
1: Listen, I think that um, I would be incredibly shocked if Ronaldo does not start for Portugal in every game they play. I, I personally would not start him. I think that there are several better players, and to be honest with you, this should. I think if, if, if we lived in a perfect world, this would be Ronaldo's last tournament with Portugal. Because the fact is, uh, he is, he is not good enough to make a 26-man Portugal squad. The reason why he is still coming to these is because of his, frankly, because of the jerseys that he sells, because of the fact that he's captain, the fact that nobody in the Portugal setup has the ball to drop him. And it's certainly not going to be Fernando Santos, let me tell you that. Um, I don't, I, I would be incredibly shocked. I know that he has, you know, he, he has done, he, he has been able to recycle out some some veteran players, okay? Jose Font has not made it to a Portugal team for a few, you know, a, a while. João Musinho, he got dropped from Portugal's team in September and is not going to be in the World Cup squad. Uh, Rui Patricio, starting in goal for the past decade for Portugal, he got dropped and he's going to be benched uh, for Diogo Costa, and yeah, with regards to Ronaldo, I think you, I think it's more economic at this point because he is still one of the most marketable athletes in the entire world. He still is going to sell jerseys and bring people to the stadium. But the fact is, what does he provide as a footballer? Absolutely nothing. He is missing some of the easiest chances that you've ever seen fall to him. He is, you know, unable to to get back on sides or, or provide any anywhere near of semblance of a pressing. Uh, an organization. He's 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 not making an impact on or off the ball. And frankly, both Portugal and Manchester United are looking better without him. That's not a that's not a coincidence. Okay. Um I think that the the best game that you Portugal have played in the past few months, their four nothing win against Czech Republic, Ronaldo was absolutely anonymous. In fact, I think he uh missed a penalty, if I'm not mistaken. Um so so yeah the fact is I do expect him to be starting, but I, I I think that if Portugal has a bad World Cup, you know, maybe another round of sixteen exit uh for the second straight year, which uh, you know, I, I think there's maybe a chance that Santos would get sacked and maybe they would shift to someone who's going to have the balls to drop him. But it's it's a tough task because I think that you need as a coach, as a Portugal coach you you need the backing of the organization, okay? Um, because there's a good chance that you, you are you you are fearful that the team will turn on you, that you know that the organization's turning on you. You need to have that backing, right? And that job security. Um so so I like I said, I don't think that Santos will drop him. But personally, yeah, I, I think that fact is is Ronaldo one of the twenty six best players that Portugal has to offer anymore? Mm-hmm. I I definitely don't think so. Okay, I think there are plenty of forwards that I'd rather have in my team. Okay, Beto on 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 Udinese, Vitinha on Braga, Andre Silva, Gonzalo Ramos—they both got called up. Those are genuine center forwards. You've got plenty of other fantastic wingers: uh, Pedro Neto, Diogo Jota, um, you know Pedro Gonzalo, some some very talented wingers. And that's another question, right? What even is Ronaldo? Is he a center forward? Is he a winger? You know, is or is he just someone you just try to fit into your team for 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 the sake of marketing, right? Because the fact is, I don't think he has anybody has the right answer to that. And the, the the discussion with Ronaldo, it's just so much hypothetical, right? Oh, if they had this great team, if they had a midfield next to him, then he would have won the Champions League with Juventus. If he had if 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 he had You know, this coach that wasn't Ralph Ranick, if he had this, you know, like, I think that Ronaldo fans, uh, they are they are focused more on games that United don't win than anything else, because that's where they can say, oh, you guys lost without Ronaldo. We can, Mm -hmm. you know, you totally Ronaldo totally would have scored that chance. Guess what? Ronaldo is actually playing regularly and he's doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay, he is making the team. Play worse, he's made Portugal play worse, and uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that Juventus—they got to—they, like I said, they, Juventus had gotten to two Champions League finals in three years and uh, were knocked out by Zidane's Real Madrid following year. Since then, they—they they lost to, you know, they—they they lost to Porto, Lyon, Ajax. They got actively worse in their pursuit of the champions league as well as their pursuit of the scudetto and ronaldo has a big reason to blame and people anyone can just go to the transfer market and say oh well look he scored 20 goals he clearly wasn't the problem Mm -hmm. guess what juventus they are they they're they're a team that had to sacrifice a lot of their values to fit him in and that's what that's what signing ronaldo is even if it's on a free transfer, it's a sacrifice. Not just in terms of making him your highest played player, but also in terms of get, guaranteeing him this kind of dream role, yeah. this this superiority, this social cast ahead of on uh, ahead of every other player. You know, so like where Rio was saying, "Oh, but you know, Ronaldo, he's a top two, three player of all time. You've got to treat him differently. Give me a fucking break, okay?" I know. You're a manager. You treat him just like anyone else. So it's disgraceful, and I think that I think that Rio he should be ashamed of himself for for ever thinking that he was uh, a journalist because he's not. He
0: oh, he's the, not a journalist. They, 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 it's so many, for and, and the other ahead.
1: ones are too. Okay, they they're all to blame.
0: You know, um, I'm, I'm I'm gonna hold Rio Ferdinand accountable for his words. um You know, and, and so it's difficult for someone to feel shame that shameless. In my opinion, I don't want to go after him too much because I think it uh, in his slight defense, a lot of it is just stupidity on his part. It's not really pernicious. Um, But I, you know, we talk about Ronaldo being one of the top two, three players of all time. Well, he's at one of the top two, three clubs of all time, right? So. You could argue yeah. that, you know Manchester United, one of the biggest football clubs in the world, why do Manchester United have to pick a team? This is a, a, a team game and Ronaldo is the quintessential individual and you have to tailor everything towards an individual, you can't be successful that way. You can get away with that when he's in the prime of his career because you accommodate that because he delivers, he's going, he's scoring 45 goals a season, unbelievable. But. Whenever that doesn't scale the same way, 38, 37, you know, the, the question is why should they tolerate it? Why is it more important to appease Ronaldo than anyone else? And as for whether he's a winger or a center forward, it's like if you go through the annals of football or any sport, <clears throat> every legend has to deal with their last season. And it's not a fun experience because usually what they're reduced to is coming off the bench. come off the bench for you know last 15 20 minutes or what have you and this is you know we've seen this everywhere that's what he is you bring him on for 15 20 minutes in a game where you need a goal and you're lobbing balls into the box soap and drops them fine but if you're going to start him and I'm the opposition and I'm looking at Portugal's forwards and I'm going please pick Ronaldo because he'd not, he's not—he's not gonna worry me. He's not gonna beat me for pace, right? I'm not gonna—I'm ha- not gonna worry about where he is. His he's free kicks are atrocious. Where does Ronaldo hurt you? If you give him space in behind in the box, right? He'll, if you look at all of his goals last season and even this season, with the exception of one or two, they're all pretty much top ins right? Goals against Newcastle, goals against Burnley—they're all in and around the eight-yard box, right? Because he doesn't have the pace to beat you anymore. Defenders hate you running at them at pace. They hate you doing the things that Garnaccio does. If you want to play in front of them and hope that you're going to hit a worldly or hope that they make a mistake that you can capitalise on, at this level, that doesn't happen too often. You need... I mean, even seeing Martial back yesterday, the difference in the speed of attack, that's what you need at this level. And that's, you know he was somewhat lucky in a sense that Ten Hag likes to play with a big um, target man. put Scott McTominay on yesterday, put him up front. Because in any other team that plays with quick, intricate forwards, he doesn't get near the team. You know? And so, you feel that weight of pressure on you because if you don't play him, the headline the next day if you don't win is always about Ronaldo. Right. right? And so, for Ten Hag, he desperately needs a top striker, desperately. Right? I mean, United have scored half the goals that City have scored, despite only being four points behind him. They need a striker, battling, and the way to get that is to get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I don't think United will pay him up, um, but I'm sure in the centre they'll have grounds for dismissal. I, 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 just, put up just one last thing, Phil. Because I,
1: I don't want to, no.
0: I don't want to create a false equivalency. I
1: think that what we're seeing here. Okay, yes, Ronaldo is one of the most hard-working athletes of all time. Yes, mm-hmm. he's always had a desire to win. But I think we're seeing a different Ronaldo. I think that, frankly, this is not a desire to win. If If Ronaldo actually had a desire to see his team win, he would shut up go to training completely and agree. be a good teammate and be comfortable mm-hmm. with coming off the bench, okay? Mm-hmm. That is exactly he right. Himself. He doesn't care about winning. He cares about scoring goals. He cares about people mm-hmm. worshiping the ground he walks on. Mm-hmm. And that's why he has gotten to this position where, frankly, there isn't a single top club in football that's going to want him, okay? Maybe he can go to Qatar. Maybe he can go to some Asian league. If he goes to MLS, he's going to have his Miranda rights uh, – Red to him, and uh, two handcuffs on him. So that's his decision, okay? But right now, there isn't a single top European team that will want Cristiano Ronaldo because the fact is, he is not only not that good of a footballer anymore; he's also a terrible teammate.
0: Mm-hmm. And 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 Zach, here's the thing: <clears throat> Just to button this up. When you coach kids, one of the things that you have to do. And this takes time, not just with kids, but also with parents that don't know football. You have to work hard to convince them that not everything is about scoring. Because these kids feel like if I haven't scored, I haven't contributed. I haven't done, you know, I've had a bad game, which inevitably leads to, we lost 6-1 today, but I scored, so I feel great, right? And that's Ronaldo, right? Uh, if United moves six one and he scores, he feels a lot better than United winning 2-0 and he didn't score. I was watching him two weeks ago. Um, United were when we were playing Sheriff and then uh, and he didn't celebrate any of the goals, yeah. right? Because none of them were his. And so uh, and I can't remember who they played in the league after that. Uh, same thing. Uh, Rashford scored, refused to celebrate. right and uh this is quintessential this is exactly what he is he's like a child that feels like this game is about me and as long as i score i don't really care about anyone else right um so you know
1: it's not about who scores the most goals it's about who scores the most and concedes the fewest it's a yin yang when you have when you're trying to hit on the counter as Portugal often do and just soak up pressure. Playing with Cristiano Ronaldo is playing with
0: 10 men. By the way, the best Portuguese player on the pitch on Sunday, João Paulinho. Wow. What a bargain base. What a bargain sending, uh, Fulham got. What a brilliant, brilliant player. I would have loved to have seen him at United. What, a, what an excellent player. But anyway, I just feel like for Portugal, Zach, none of this is, is helpful. Um, you know, and Maybe if Fernando Sean says that Santos says to him, Why don't you do this after the World Cup? You know, right a week before the, the January transfer window. Right? Because you come back the twenty sixth. Why don't you do it then? Yeah. Because now, like again Ronaldo thought only about himself in this. He could call Fernando Santos and said, I want to do this. I guarantee you, he would have said, Let's wait after the world cup so we don't have this circus we don't have everyone with cameras in your face wanting interviews and not being about the world cup but being about you but that's what he wants let's uh evolve a conversation quickly to the world cup mate because uh we're almost there we've litigated the human rights issue so we we don't need to go over it again we all know this is deeply troublesome um i still would like to be able to enjoy football without having to think about this. This is why football governance needs to do their job. So you and I don't have to, uh, have these moral dilemmas. Uh, so let's talk about the football. Yeah. Uh, last four winners of the world cup being European. Um, I have a feeling we'll, I'm going to really stick my neck out here and say Brazil or Argentina. Um, I, uh, I I think, wouldn't it pass Ronaldo off so much if Messi won the World Cup?
1: (laughs) Listen, uh, yeah, listen, I I don't want to say that I'm rooting for Portugal. Uh, I do want to see them do well. I want to see them do well. I like Portugal. I want to see them do well. I'm also covering Portugal at the World Cup. Uh, So, you know, obviously, the the more, the better they do, the more money I make. But, Mm -hmm. uh, but, but the fact is, yeah, I completely agree. I've been staying for a few months. I think Brazil and Argentina, for me, they're the top two favorites to win this thing. Argentina, I mean, they haven't lost since... I can't remember the last time they... Copa
0: lost. America winner, Zach? I mean, uh...
1: and they, I think that, that was Brazil's only loss to Copa America. Defeat. They've been mm-hmm. nearly perfect under Tite. Argentina, the same thing with Lionel Scaloni. For me, those are the top two favorites. I mean, I'd say if you had... To put a gun to my head i would probably go with brazil just by a smidgen but uh looking at the other european teams you know who really convinces you i think england okay they i think england are probably the strongest candidate but Mm -hmm. we've seen just how much they've struggled in recent months and just how much i think that Gareth southgate has held them back he just isn't a top level manager and i think that's Mm -hmm. their achilles heel i think it'll be their achilles heel again in, in the World Cup. Um, looking at the other nations, France, you've got Paul Pogba and Golo Kante missing out. And just the feeling that, you know, maybe they, they are reaching the end of a cycle with Didier Deschamps. Some very worrying performances and results. So uh, I think that they will definitely get out of their grip. I think they're going to end that World Cup curse, but I don't see them going that uh, I don't see them going to the final. Okay? Um, looking at the other nations, Spain, I've, mm-hmm. I, I really like Luis Enrique. I think that he and Hansi Flick are arguably the two best managers in the tournament. But uh, if you look at the Spain squad, there's just zero goals in this team, okay? There's zero goal threat. And uh, an enormous amount of players are not even starters at club level You know, I was thinking about this like before. So many players, uh, whether it's youngsters like Jeremy Pino, whether it's players like Eric Garcia, um, you know, Danny Olmo, uh, um, uh, Marcos Asensio, so many players who aren't even guaranteed mm-hmm. at club level. When was the last time we saw that? So I just, frankly, I just don't think that this is that good of a same team. I think that they overachieved in the Euros. And yeah, there just isn't that much in the way of goals in the team. And I also... I don't think that they have the defensive security to, to back it up either. I don't I don't see anybody who's going to hold down the fortress. Um, Portugal, for me, in terms of individual quality, they they are a top five team at the tournament. But similarly to France and England, I just think that they're reaching the end of the cycle with Fernando Santos with mm-hmm. other players like Cristiano Ronaldo. That is definitely an elephant in the room. And uh, I just don't think they have the right balance yet. So, so that's that's something that's definitely a worry. Um, looking at the other ones, the Netherlands potentially, but I, I also I, I think that they are they that, that they are not the surprised they left out Batman. Right. That, that's interesting one, too. They do have some good quality in central defence. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: an I, I, I don't know late. if Hotman has gotten called up yet to the national team. but uh, And Belgium. I, I don't see Belgium doing anything, honestly. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they get knocked out in the round of 16. You look at that squad. I mean, you've
0: got, what, John Bertongen,
1: Toby Alderweireld. I think we've seen it's the like, best
0: of Belgium, have we? Is that when they were... like? I think we've seen the best of Belgium. Yes. And for some reason despite having all this quality they've just never been able to bring it to a big tournament to where they, they've they looked like serious a serious team that could win it and it's bizarre to me I mean if you look at that Belgium team four years ago when yeah. De Bruyne and Hazard was in their prime that Fellini in there they had Witzel they had Lukaku I mean they they had an exceptional Yana Carrasco, um, I mean, just go right through it, that team. They had a, such a strong, strong team, um, and uh, you know, I even remember the great teams in the in the eighty six, out of Belgium, Kullmanns, you know, Van der Als, Schifo. One heavy have you some great memories. Um, uh, uh, so, um, it, it, it just has never seemed to be able to work for them in a, in a major tournament. I'm not sure if Roberto Martinez was. The best guy for the job but well, i don't want to be unfair to him because the players have to take responsibility too but as for spain maybe 2026 is more realistic with pedro you got be, so a lot of the young players they seem like they're in transition like you were saying uh england are going into this tournament their worst form since 1993 um despite the fact they broke all kinds of records qualifying then they went in the eighth, no eighth in nations like haven't won in six not scoring goals And, you know, I was looking at their group. I was looking at Iran. And Iran don't concede goals, but they don't score goals either. I think they've got 9-15 and in terms of goal scoring, um, but also are very, very good defensively. Um, You know, Senegal, African Cup of Nations winners, could they spring a surprise? I don't think it helps European teams that this is smack bang in the middle of their season. Yeah. Um, And, uh, but... Personally, I would like to see a South American or an African team win it.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think I'd think i say to the
0: U.S., of course. Right?
1: I, yeah, I don't think the U.S. will be lucky if they get out of the group stage. But um, but we'll see what happens there. I agree. I would love to see a South African, an Asian, an African team just be, just break up the European hegemony because the fact, football should be for everybody. And yeah, then It has been, I think, disconcerting to see the 21st century be dominated by Europe and just having this gap uh continue to grow mm-hmm.
0: i agree man I completely agree with that
1: you know we we, we re-establish that balance
0: would love to see an african team win it really i think it that the continent needs it i think it would be such a gift to a continent that has given us so much in football that is so much culturally so much socially so much in terms of excitement and entertainment in football um yeah. one of the things you know I remember I, I had the privilege of interviewing Michael Essien and Stephen Abia and one of the things that's consistent throughout the vast majority of African football as you see us with George Weah too is they remain intimately connected to their communities and their countries and they often give back and tremendous athletes from from poorer countries. And I don't know if that's the correct parlance, but do you get what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Are you you know do, this is important? I mean, I see, this with Irish athletes that remain very close, especially when you come from tough areas. You see it with Manny Pacquiao. You see, so you know, even even um, you know Roberto Duram, You know, another other sports, player, you know, people who are, come from these tough areas. You see it in Argentina a lot. Um, <clears throat> you know, kids from the barrios that remain in the hearts of their countries forever Um, and I think I remember uh, you won't but I do I remember the 1990 World Cup when there was still at that time a lot of uncertainty about teams outside of your orbit where you didn't get to see I mean I was what was I 1990 I was 13 so I was watching it wasn't 14 years, 13 and a half. I was watching Cameroon with the wide-eyed wonder of what the hell this is, amazing to watch. The excitement of Roger Miller. You know, the excitement of watching Oman Beak. The excitement of watching these players I'd never heard before bring such flair, and bring such entertainment and colour. I mean, I'll never forget that first game against Argentina where Kanija was... I I, almost sent to another dimension. Um, I fell in love with Tunisia that tournament too. It was a pretty boring Argentina team, but um, I would love to see as the continent, Africa, win a World Cup. You know, it was a ten African team win a World Cup. Would love that.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I don't think that's a reality, unfortunately. But no, I know. African teams they need to do one hundred percent better. I think that twenty ten. You know, you look at that that tournament. Uh, obviously South Africa becoming the first African country to host the World Cup and Ghana making it within touching distance of the semifinals. Definitely a lot of, I think, you know, optimism that it was going to turn a corner for African football. You look at the past few results, past few tournaments, have yeah, been very disappointing. I, I think 2018, um, I may be mistaken, but I don't think a single African team made the knockout round. Um, but yeah, this is, I think it's it's we need to see a better performance from these African teams because the fact is they I think that that pretty much almost all of them have what it takes to qualify from their groups okay Ghana yes they're going to be playing Portugal, Uruguay, South Korea but you know they they have some fantastic talents on that side um Senegal right going up against Ecuador, Qatar, Netherlands, for me, they should – they, they I, I definitely have them as going through from that group. I think they've got plenty of talent. And I think that's what they should be aiming for this is a deep run, especially if Sadio Mame can make it back to full fitness. Yeah, You look at the other teams, Tunisia, Morocco. Yeah, uh, North African teams. And uh, who am I forgetting? Tunisia, Morocco. Is Algeria there? No? no, Algeria did not make it. Let's see. Tunisia, Morocco, Ghana – um Senegal. Senegal
0: there. And Na- did Nigeria
1: make it? Nigeria lost to Ghana. <laughs> um Yeah. So I, know, I, I you have to see,
0: much. I have to take a look at the World Cup groups here. But um there's no team from Oceana in there. Right. Um okay. so uh and the only host that's never made it out of the group is South Africa Qatar. Um I don't know if the Cutter or Qatar is the correct pronunciation you know we it definitely with that but um they they won the Asian Cup in 2019 didn't
1: they Iran is mentioned or cutter cutter oh. yeah yeah, yeah they, no I, I think so yeah but um i was doing a bit of
0: research on them last night and i was looking at they, yeah. they've uh, forgive me for this uh, i don't remember the the guy's name but they've a striker that's got 45 in like 82 yeah, games you cool, know um cool. I Forget the gentleman's name, I, my apologies. I was on Talksport last night covering this. Um, and uh, I would, and I'm you know, obviously, they've got the African Cup of Nations winners in there, Senegal. They have a tough group to get out of, they've the Dutch in there, and for a lot of people, the Dutch are dark horses, you know. Um, I don't think so, but uh, my father in law, my family's. My father-in-law's from Amsterdam. I've stayed that many times, so uh, big Dutch fans in my house. Um, and um, so let me see here: Tunisia is in there, uh, Morocco, Ghana. Morocco Ghana.
1: Um,
0: Switzerland, Sweden, Cameroon, Ghana. Ghana. Cameroon,
1: that was uh, one that I was forgetting.
0: Cameroon, okay. There you yeah, go. Cameroon. So I would love. Uh, yeah, look. For a lot, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing the games, right? Yes. And uh, I, I, I'm I, not looking... I, well, I haven't looked forward to the World Cup at all, but now that the club games are out of the way, it's starting to become a focus. I do love the idea of some of these big games. I love the idea of an Argentina-Brazil knockout game. I do love the idea of some of these big countries going head-to-head. Um, and, and that is definitely something I, I would uh, be interested uh, in. I, there's just... I, I just lament Zach you know and I don't want to go over this again but yeah. um but we'll have to what well, we have to swallow in order to enjoy this but um it does uh, I mean as far as uh, the once the tournament gets started like I'm looking forward to next Monday we, we let me see so next Monday the USA play at 11 a.m my time so maybe we may end up recording after that. We'll see what happens. Um, that'll be the third game of the day. There's a Senegal-Dutch game, England-Iran. So quickly, let's uh, get some predictions, uh, if I could. So okay. I was reading about the Ecuador. So first game, Qatar-Ecuador. Ecuador, of course, are going to start the 2026 campaign, deducted uh, six points, is it Zach, because they, played, they fielded an eligible player, and the Chileans protested to get them kicked out of the tournament altogether.
1: Yeah, I think it's three or six, but it's it's interesting, too, because Byron Castillo um, and, yeah, that, that player, he ended up being, like, acquitted. You know, he's he's, mm-hmm. he's not in trouble, and yet they—it they, they it seems like Conmebol punished them, but FIFA didn't. So, yeah, they are—they need to make the most out of this because Conmebol is not easy to get out of. Um, but, yeah, with regards to Qatar-Ecuador, I think, I think Ecuador are going to end up winning that match— Um, Cutter, you know, we'll see what happens they're definitely an unknown quantity um, so they could prove a lot of people wrong but I think Ecuador, they have some very interesting players in their Valencia, bringing some experience, but you've also got some really intriguing young talents like Diego Palacios uh, the Brighton duo of Moises Caicedo and uh, Piero Incapie really intriguing central defender who had a great Copa America uh, earned a move to Bayer Leverkusen I, I really like Ecuador's chances. I think that it's going to be a fascinating group, this, uh, Group A.
0: You'd imagine whoever loses that first game is not going to make it out of the group because the Senegal and the Dutch game are going to be tough games for... for, for. But like you quite rightly say, you know, Van Valencia as well. Ecuador, you know, it'd be easy to overlook them. And there's mm-hmm. some really, really good players there. It's So um, I don't know what to expect, but with Qatar winning the Asian Cup, um, most yeah. and they've had twelve years prepare for this. Um, maybe they're better than what I think. We'll okay, get quick predictions. So you think you're going to go with Ecuador? So we're going to start seeing these predictions, Zach. So I'm going to take. I'm going to yeah. say uh, uh, because of home advantage, uh, Qatar spring this surprise and win it. So okay. all right. So Zach, you're. I'm going to say Ecuador two one. Ecuador two one. Okay. All right, we'll get these predictions up on uh, Twitter feed, Ecuador 2-1, uh, I'm gonna say the uh, reverse. I'm gonna say 2-1, guitar, okay? okay. So, um, all right. So, I'll we'll make it the, the winner, so we'll do these predictions throughout the tournament. At the end of the tournament, the winner gets to pick a $100 charity donation. All right. Sound good? Sounds good. Me. So I've got $100 that was given to us for a sponsorship. Yeah. So I'm gonna set it aside, and whoever wins, we will donate that to charity, my friend. Uh, charity of my choice, if you win, is the Philip Brown Foundation. You should just send that to me and I'll take care of it. There's no uh, oversend. <laughs> 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 okay, so England, Iran. What we got, Zachy? England, Iran. Oof, this is an interesting one. I
1: think Iran, they could definitely prove some people wrong. Um, You know, obviously, a lot of noise uh, with their political issues and, you know, how is that going to affect them? But they've got a solid defense, as you mentioned. They've got an experienced coach, Mm -hmm. Carlos Garros. They've got, for me, uh, the best striker in Portugal, in Meritaremi, some very other promising uh, attackers, such as Ali Reza, Jahan Bash, and uh, Sardar Asmun. But. I am going to go with England 1, Iran nothing.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling this is going to be close too. Yeah. I have a feeling that um, this is not going to be a route because there's enormous pressure on England uh, to win that game. Um, I think the Iran-USA game has a different dimension than Iran-England, Iran-Wales for obviously historical and political mm-hmm. issues. So that'll be a really tough game for the USA. Um and I'm gonna say that. So you're gonna say one 0 England. I'm gonna say two 0 England. I think it'll be it'll be a close game. Uh, I could see Kane getting one, and maybe a late one. So uh, I'm gonna say two 0 England. Uh, we'll do we'll do the rest the, the rest of the games that day, and then we will shut it up shut it down. We'll come back for next week. So uh, this is a difficult one. Mm-hmm. Senegal Netherlands. Yeah. I'll tell
1: you what I you called this dark, you called them dark horses. I don't think either of these teams are dark horses. Um, the Netherlands, they are. They have some fantastic players, Cody Bagakpo, uh, mm-hmm. Memphis Depay. You know some great players. But Senegal, mm-hmm. on the other hand, I mean, they for me they have the strongest team in all of Africa. And you know that's the time is ticking. Okay, mm-hmm. they had a very disappointing World Cup in 2018. They they had. In my opinion, a better squad than at least one of, uh, I think their group was Poland, Japan, Colombia, if I'm not mistaken. And I think they, they should have gone through. So they're definitely going to be wanting to, to go through. They have some fantastic um, attackers in that team. Sadio Mane, um, Iliman Ndiaye uh, of Sheffield United mm-hmm. just did a piece on that on BTL. Definitely check that out. I think he could make some noise for them. So a lot of players who are, who are definitely set for potentially a breakout tournament with Senegal, and uh, I don't know. I think that, considering what what we've just seen with you know Senegal finally winning the Afcon and and barely uh, beating Egypt in the uh, in in the Af in, in the World Cup qualifiers, maybe they feel like they've they've gotten over a hump. Mm. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with two uh, two.
0: Yeah, okay. I'm sorry to, to steal less, but I'm actually was thinking a draw too. I Maybe mean, not, but I, 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 I just I can't see either of them losing their first game. But it wouldn't surprise me, you know. And I think yeah. for the Dutch, they're they're such a I don't want to say a moody team, but temperamental. I think if they lose their yeah. first game, they could have a terrible tournament. If they win their first game, they could have a brilliant tournament. Um, you, and have so, to remember,
1: you have to remember. Uh, back to the to the videos, you know that those first three games um I believe they were they were pretty much perfect those first three games. Everybody I think they look like the strongest team. And what do you know, they end up losing to the Czech Republic in what the round of sixteen if I'm not mistaken.
0: as you know the group stage is a knockout tournament or almost take two different tournaments. Yeah. So the first game everyone plays not to lose. Yeah. Because you don't want to lose that first game. The thing about the Senegal and the Dutch is they'll both be confident that if they lost that game, they would be all right and they would be capable of winning the other two. So maybe we'll see some sense of bravery in that uh, most of Senegal's players are European-based, so they're going to be... And I'm trying to decide if the fact that it's happened in November, where I know there's injuries, but that's also going to mean that a lot of players are smacked. In their peak of their fitness, yes, and and the issue will come later on in the season, where we'll have the negative side effect of that towards the end of the season because obviously, you know, um, the you know the the papers got to be paid somewhere. So I, 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 part of me wonders if the fact that they haven't got a four to five week break before this tournament starts, if that's actually going to result in much quicker. Uh, intense opening games where players are not feeling their way into it, where it's essentially, I mean, there's a there's seven-day gap between some of these games. So um, I'm going to say a draw. I'm going to say both these teams will, will, will be okay with the draw because both of these teams will feel confident they'll beat Qatar and Ecuador to win it. So I think both of them will be happy to take a draw. So what are you going to say? One? Did you say 2-2? Two, two? I said 2-2, two, two, yeah. Okay, I'm going to say... 1-1. One, one. You're going
1: to steal my
0: prediction until I... I'm, I am I, I. don't know. I, got checked. I think you stole my notes. Clairvoyant, <laughs> my friend. I'm hoping you're not reading the other thoughts in my head. <clears throat> uh, USA v. Wales, my friend.
1: USA against Wales. Oof, this is an interesting one. I'm going to say draw again. Man. You're going to say draw. Mhm. I am going to go with. Ooh, I'm gonna say two one
0: Wales. Two one Wales. Yep. So the good thing for USA is the Wales England game will have a different, a similar dimension than the USA Iran game. Yes. You know, so that's going to be a different game. USA, I've said this on other podcasts. We'll finish it here um match up well in my opinion against british teams um i think physically they match up well um i think stylistically they do match up well and i also feel that for the us um in this country for a long long time the us saw soccer essentially as a british sport and a lot of uh certainly not, not uh, i want to uh, correct that um not amongst obviously um immigrant communities in motavia um, because you had the hispanic culture here everything else that didn't think that way but i'm talking about and how it was presented largely on tv right it was and the the, the the narrative around it in the first games you could watch it here were english premier league anyway uh, and there's no question English Premier League is the most... It, well, Mexican League is the most watched league, but the most marketed and advertised and branding has been done around the Premier League. So I think the U.S. see that as a big scalp. Um, and I think that in many ways they see that as defa- much more defining than any other victory. Right. I mean, <clears throat> because of, obviously the English culture and football and being defined as a British sport. Um, uh, so I really think the US, well, the problem with the game against Wales is it has all those physical aspects, yeah. but it doesn't have the scalp to it. And so it's sometimes players go into games like that with not the same motivation. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and and Berhalter, the you know, US finished third in qualification, wasn't the best qualification process, but there's a lot of youth in that team. You know, there's, there's musa you know you've got taylor adams you've got aronson you've got uh pulisic uh you got you know there's quite a few young players now he didn't bring ricardo pepe what do you think about that
1: yeah it's an interesting one um i think that i, I i'm disappointed because i've been monitoring ricardo pepe for quite a few years since he was just on the fringe of fc dallas his first game. He merged into arguably the deadliest striker in MLS. He got a deserved move to the Bundesliga, where he, you know, wasn't able to make it work. He moved to the Eredivisie, uh, a backward step, but not that much. And he, you know, he got back to his best. He's scoring goals now, mm-hmm. um, and and he doesn't get it. I just, I don't know. It's it's kind of it's frustrating to be honest. I I feel like he's being punished for having ambition, for wanting to leave MLS. Which, no disrespect, but you cannot develop into a world-class player if you're playing in MLS, okay? Like, you can, you know, MLS is a great league to, to develop as a player, but at a certain point, you need to challenge yourself against the best players. And I think that Ricardo Pepe has been punished for doing so. Um, but there are, there are other players who I think have had a similar thing. I think on, you know, on Mexico's side, um, Santiago Jimenez for for Feyenoord, he's done fairly well for them. Scored, you know, hasn't been scoring every single game, but but uh, I would have expected him to be on the World Cup squad. He's not, which I think is a serious oversight. Um, and so I do think that there are several players who are being kind of punished for their ambition. And it's not as if like okay, the 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 coach is saying, oh, you went, you left MLS, you deserve to sit out the World Cup squad. Okay, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that. When you go to a, a new club, a new challenge, and have, struggle, and have some struggles fitting in, that, that's going to affect your chances of getting into the World Cup squad. I think that Renato Sanchez is a great example, okay? Uh, you know, won, won, the, won the Euros as a teenager, went to Bayern Munich, did not play at all, did not do anything at Swansea, did not get into the 2018 World Cup squad, has a career revival at Lille. Does very well, becomes a regular, is probably one of Portugal's best players at the past Euros, and uh, one of their more consistent players. Missed out on the last on last month's uh, call up due to injury, and missed out on the World Cup squad because, frankly, I mean, yeah, he is not playing regularly as opposed to other midfielders on Portugal like Mateus Nunes, like Joao Palhinha, like Otavio, um, and that's something that you know you're you're gonna have to deal with, but. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit frustrated that Ricardo Pepe didn't make it. And I do think that that's going to be a, a really interesting question. Where are the goals going to come from mm-hmm. from the United States perspective? Because you know the fact is, it's been, what, how many years since Clint Dempsey uh, retired? And the U.S. still has not found that long-term answer at center forward. Is it Ricardo Pepe? Is it Jordan Pifok? I, I'm not sure even if, if, if Jordan... Um, PFOC on on Union Berlin. If he got called up mm-hmm. for the U.S., I think that Haji Wright. Um, I, have to check and, I, I check Haji Wright and Josh Sargent are the um, are the are the center forwards who got selected right uh, and sergeant i may be missing
0: one i'm I just going pull it yeah. up here so he names 26 players but out yeah. so his let me see here his forwards uh so he's got seven forwards wow yeah. jesus Ferreira, uh okay. jordan morris um kristen Polisek, uh Gio reyna uh josh sergeant um tim weah uh Haji Wright. So that's it. So-, so you've
1: got Sergeant Wright and Ferreira, and it's interesting yeah. because Fe- Ferreira, um, it, it almost it's it's interesting because Ricardo Pepe leaving in the middle of last season really opened the door for Jesus to just become uh, a revelation for FC Dallas. But there's still a lot of question marks over his performances with the national team. Mm-hmm. I like him a lot. I do think that he's for me at least he's still. I'm not sure what his best position is. You know, is he a false nine? Is he is he this yeah. or is he that? Because the fact is, he's not banging in the goals for the national team level. And Ricardo Pepe, I'm pretty sure that only Christian Pulisic scored more goals in qualification. He scored some massively important goals over the past few years for the U.S. And yeah, Jesus just hasn't, okay? Um, So I hope he proves me wrong. I I like Jesus. Like I said, I like, and and I want to see the U.S. do well. But that's my biggest question with this U.S. team, okay? I think defense. there, are, there are question marks. Midfield, I think I would argue is probably their our our strongest uh, area. You know, you've got guys like Weston McKennie, Tyler Adams, Yunus Musa, some very good players. Attack, though, where are the goals going to come from? And is Christian Pulisic going to step up? Okay, yeah, it's a big to, tournament he for has him, not Zach. Stepped up for Chelsea, he has he has not stepped up for the U.S. in a while. He needs to. This needs to be his
0: tournament. He does, and I think it would also send a message to Graham Potter as well. Um, he mm-hmm. really needs this, and you know, Graham is not having the best of times at Chelsea, I think that the break for him will do him good, yeah. he, they badly need that, um, but uh, another, just quickly, another young player that's making a lot of headlines is Joe Scali, um mm-hmm. from got back, lots of clubs are, are, are looking at him, um, tell me, Jack, I don't know much about the kid, um, do you know a lot about him? I saw,
1: I've seen a little bit about him at Gladbach. He looks like a very attack-minded fullback who's who's good at combining and and passing. Uh, did he make the World Cup squad? I wasn't. Yeah. I mean, he made the World Cup squad. Okay, that's interesting to see because, okay, so I guess the fullbacks, I guess Sergio Dest, Joe Scally, you got Cameron totally Carter-Vickers.
0: Yeah, you got Carter-Vickers from Lake, yeah. Sergio Dest, Aaron Long, uh, Anthony Robinson, Joe Scally, uh, DeAndre Yedlin, uh, Walker Zimmerman.
1: Mm. That's interesting. I think I think it'll be interesting to see who starts in the fullback positions. My guess would be Sergio Des and Anthony Robinson, but uh it's interesting it'll be very interesting to see what what Burhalter shapes up with. It. I I think that's that's a big question though. Is Burhalter at the level of these other coaches? And is he going to be able to find the US's strongest 11? Cuz I'm not sure if he's if he's found it yet.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, like I even remember the criticism of Jurgen Klinsmann being criticized over rotation and not knowing his best eleven. Yes. And I mean this in a kind of sense. But when you have, when you have players, and I don't want to say they're average players, but when you have players that don't play well, you get rotation because they don't lock down a shirt. And when you're constantly rotating them, I say mediocrity. But players that maybe aren't capable of giving you. The levels that you need at this level uh, on a consistent basis then you get rotation you know the best teams you more or less know how they're going to line up every week because the one is impossible to find an equivalent uh, and two they're playing so consistently well you, you don't drop them so I think um, but to be fair to the US that's also a problem for England That's also a problem, you know. Wales team more or less picks itself, Um, but uh, you know, with the likes of England, you know, I mean, there was still, and it really shouldn't be the case. But the fact that there was still so much, so many question marks over what Gareth Southgate's squad was even going to be, you know, where you're like, well, this guy get in, well, this guy get in. I think it's a mistake not to bring Ivan Tony, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. Um, but. you know, you know, for some of these players, Zach, and I almost feel this is the same for De Gea. Mm-hmm. If you're just going to go and sit in the bench as a fourth-choice keeper or something like that, or you're a French player, yeah. it's better not to go. You get four weeks off in the middle of a season to recover and recuperate for players that have essentially been playing non-stop since COVID because they didn't really get a break this summer with UEFA Nations League. Yes. So if you get an opportunity like Jade and Sancho where people like that or to not go and to work on mental and physical rehabilitation and also to be taken out of the land, out of the pressure, you know, like Sancho and Rashford were, 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 were heavily criticised after missing penalties right. and I think it does them good um, to be taken out of that for a while and to be able to focus on sales.
1: Sorry, did Rashford not make it? I thought Rashford did. No, Rashford
0: it. did get in, but Sancho didn't. Yeah, that's what yeah, I think. Yeah, so I think, uh, and, and, I, and I think he should go. You know, okay. the, the, you, know, um, you think uh, Sancho should go? Not Sancho, no. No, okay. I think Rashford should go. No, 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 no. Jaden Jadon Sancho um, has not, he, up until, let me tell this is a podcast, and I don't even think Jadon Sancho is a winger. I think um, if you watch Garnacho, mm-hmm. that's a winger. A winger, chalk on his boots, lightning quick. The, one of the things that defenders hate is a player running at them, yes. especially at pace, right? Dean Sancho doesn't do that. All of his goals this season have come from central positions. He's exceptional, mm-hmm. but it, technically, but a defender wants you to play in front of them, so they don't want right. you in behind them. And I'd look at Sancho and I think United have a problem yes. because he doesn't have lightning and out wide, And when you don't have lightning and out wide, you slow the play down. And so that, if you look, like the goal that United scored at the weekend against Fulham, they don't score that if Jadon Sancho is out there. Yeah. Right. Because he doesn't have the pace to do what Garnaccio did. And I think with the way that England play, you need to have really quick wingers because though that's why Sterling play as Nike Riceford because they have they're not the best finishers in the world. Sterling and Riceford are very similar in my opinion. Um but uh they they give you they're they're a nightmare to play against. Like I remember when Pulisic, or Erwin Tuchel bought Sterling. Uh, I remember him saying I hated playing against them because not they, when you're worried about their pace you're also marking ten yards off them, right? Because you can't get caught in a man-for-man race with them. So you have to give them the space, um, and you you can't go mark them on the sideline, on on the wing, on the, the out on the, the wing because you're going to get dragged out of position. They're okay. really hard to mark, and it means inevitably you also play players on side because you don't mark them man-for-man super tight you're always standing five ten yards off them to give yourself a head start Mm -hmm. Um, when someone doesn't have pace you don't have to do any of those things yeah and so i think uh when you're playing out wide you need that um and so i i i think um england have quality down the middle with harry kane i mean in the qualification they broke scoring records for the most goals can score but then in the way for nations like they haven't won in six which is just unbelievable so you but, but zach i remember us world cup Colombia coming into that tournament yeah. they were flying everyone was talking about them being an outsider and, and then of course we all know what happened in that tournament so sometimes coming in on form is not always the best thing mm-hmm. because you can peak too early so, um, so all right, my friends. So the predictions, I will bang them up. So you've got uh, England, Iran. Um, by the time we do our, our podcast next week, maybe next week we'll do it live. Um, we'll, so we get comments and uh, everything else. I've actually had a few people ask me to do them live. So maybe next weekend, can brush her hair uh, and uh, put a put, put some cologne on, Zagi. Get uh, look your best. You never know who's watching uh could be a modeling organization watching you know you could end up getting a contract um i i i i'm, I'm sharing you with love and compliments here my friend i i, I was hoping you'd give him back <laughs> did i lose you just at the wrong time made right at the end folks we will go ahead and leave it there zach is pretending he can't hear me does not tell me how beautiful i am so i'm gonna leave that down to you uh Folks, thanks as always for tuning in, for listening to the pod. Very much appreciated. Um, We will be back again next week. Don't forget, if you download this podcast, please, please, please do reach out. This is still a relatively new podcast for us. We've been recording this from the summer. Um, We are starting to do this every Monday now, which is uh, most people like. uh, But we're always interested in hearing what our listeners have to say with regards to topics. If there's anything you want us to cover. We shall do that. We're going to be more interactive over the World Cup by doing more live broadcasts. Uh, I've got a ton of content coming up, which I'm quite excited about. So thank you to all of you for all your support. If you're on YouTube, folks, please, please, please uh, like our YouTube page, Beyond the Pitch BTP. Uh, we broadcast live there too. be much, much appreciated. If you are uh, on Twitter, don't forget to follow us at Beyond the Pitch. Um, We've got some really nice merchandise coming out, uh, 100% of the proceeds go towards mental health, West Wellbeing, um, so we appreciate any support that you can lend us for that as well. Uh, We'll broadcast really soon uh, how you can get those. Um, And I... uh, I've got another announcement to make on a new podcast that I'm launching. I won't do it on this podcast. I'll mention it. I'm quite excited about that. Um, so we do sincerely appreciate all your support. Okay, folks, uh, have a great day. I hope you're all doing well. I hope your mental health as well. I hope your physical health as well. I hope you're doing great. Uh, thank you wherever you are in the world listening to this. I'm extremely grateful, as is Zach, uh, for for giving us your time, giving us your ear. <coughs> and. Uh, giving us your support uh, really really does mean an awful lot okay folks take it easy thanks for listening to me rambling